With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets Podcast. Turn on the Jets Podcast. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, we are joined by the OG of TOJ, former co-host of the TOJ Podcast, Mr. Dalbin Asario. Dalbin, thank you for joining us. Listen, man, I I have spent the last, like, three months just wondering when you were going to bring me back because, listen, man, it's the most important offseason in recent memory, and the only people that can do it justice are you and I. I really felt a certain type of way when I kept getting replaced by all these fancy guests, man, but it's good to be back as always with you. We were saving you for as close to the kickoff of free agency as possible. We had to let the potential podcast age like a fine wine, because like you said, we got to keep that in the holster. It's a a big one for us to drop. And what we're going to do today is both Dalvin and I are going to go through what we think are the top 10 free agent targets for the Jets and why. And then we're both going to give one outside of the box trade or even signing prediction works for what we think could happen this offseason. Before we start breaking that down, the reminder to subscribe, rate, review the Turn on the Jets podcast on iTunes. You can find it on Spotify and Google Play as well, and also on TurnOnTheJets.com. Follow Dalbin on Twitter at DA underscore Asario. Follow me on Twitter at JCaparoso. The volume of tweets is only going to pick up when we hit March, so make sure you're following along. All right, Dalbin. We know who my first top-rated free agent is going to be, and I'll do an abbreviated (laughs) version of my rant about him. Give me your number one yeah. and number two free agent target for the Jets. Sure, yeah. I mean, right off the bat, you and I are in agreement on who number one is, and that's Le'Veon Bell. I think one of the things that I think has been so mind-boggling to see is just one Jet fans who absolutely scoff at the idea of adding a, who I believe is a top five, top ten player in this league, uh, who's now just had a year off, and who even before that year off was averaging the same amount of touches as Marshall Falk was when he was traded from the Colts to the Rams, and then he went on and won two MVPs. So Le'Veon Bell's number one, without a doubt. There is no reason why the Jets should be outbid for Le'Veon Bell, especially when you're talking about you traded up to go get uh, to go get a, a quarterback like Sam Darnold to give him the help that he needed. Now help is suddenly available because the Pittsburgh Steelers clearly don't know what they're doing, um, and you're not you're gonna you're gonna stop the price. I would hate to see the Jets penny pinch here and say, oh no, it's fine. We'll just go pay a guy like Mark Ingram or a guy like you know some other jack of jack of all names at, at running back. Um, so Le'Veon Bell is number one. Number two for me, and it is, and I think when you look at this offseason, the Jets have to find a way to one 
address that, that they need a home run hitter on offense, but also they need to address having a closer on defense. And I love Jamal Adams. I think Jamal Adams is a year away from being the best safety in the NFL, but you need a guy very similar to how Denver has with Von Miller, very similar to what Houston has with J.J. Watt, who can go and end a game on his own, very similar to what the Bears have with Khalil Mack. And so for me, number two, and this is if he, this is assuming he hits the market. It has to be Demarcus Lawrence. Now, the the Cowboys. Randy Gregory is now suspended indefinitely. David Irving is about to face a suspension. But the Cowboys have to pay Zeke Elliott, have to pay Dak Prescott, have to pay Amari Cooper. And I think that there is a chance that they do not they they don't tag Demarcus Lawrence again because then it has to be 120 percent of the salary that he had this year. So you're looking at paying him 18, 19 million for a team that has to pay those three offensive weapons coming up. I just don't see it. And if he hits the market, you have to pay him because you need a guy that and if you're hell-bent on keeping Leo Williams you need a guy that's going to make that his job easier and there isn't anybody that's going to hit the market that can do it quite like Demarcus Lawrence look I I don't disagree I I think you could even make a fair argument that if Lawrence did hit the market he should be the number one guy they go after I just I don't see him hitting the market I think Dallas will find a way to keep him I, I just don't think pass rushers like that uh, are ever allowed to transfer teams. And if he did hit the market, look, I'd be all in on the Jets doing what they need to do to get him. Uh, I think pragmatically, Le'Veon Bell is going to be the first guy they should sign. I've been through this argument 68,000 times. Uh, I think it was Chase Stewart, right, everybody right. tweeted out a stat today that the Jets could pay Bill, Bell $15 million a year uh, and be on the hook for that and they would still have the second most cap space in the NFL after that. And again, this is not an either-or situation. It's not you have to sign an offensive line and then pay Bell. You could do both. You could sign three offensive linemen and sign Bell. You could sign pass rushers and pay Bell. There is no financial constraint at all to signing Le'Veon Bell. And I understand the concern about investing at running back. It's a replaceable position. Guess what? The Jets have ignored offense the past decade, two decades. They have to course correct and do non-traditional things to turn things around and take advantage of having a quarterback on a rookie contract, which means building teams in an unconventional way. Le'Veon Bell won't just help the running game. He'll help the passing game, which is much needed in a year where there's not a great free agent receiver class at all, and will also help in pass pro. So you're investing in Sam Darnold by investing in Le'Veon Bell. It is a no-brainer that the Jets should be going after him. Uh, their competition, Houston, Oakland, maybe Tampa Bay, uh, maybe San Francisco. I don't see any real reason they shouldn't get him unless the Colts have been lying the whole time and they're going to go make a pretty big offer to him. So let's hope they find a way to get it done. Don't waste my time trying to argue that Tevin Coleman's a better, invest- a better investment than him because if the Jets do sign Tevin Coleman, they're going to probably give him the contract they wanted to give Jarek McKinnon last year, if not more. It's not smarter to pay Tevin Coleman $10 million a year than it is to pay Le'Veon Bell $15 million a year. One of those guys is going to be in the Hall of Fame one day and one of them is not. Now, for the second person, um, I'm looking at the offensive line. You know, I think center is such a gaping need for them right now. I think if Paradis does hit the market, that is where my focus is. And almost as a 2B option, I'm paying Mitch Morse if he doesn't. You have to find a starting center to stabilize this offensive line. They cannot leave free agency without Paradis or more if either of them hit the market. Who do you have number three and four? So for me, I mean, you nailed it with, with – 
parodies from Denver. I think you need a center, like you mentioned. And I think it's interesting that you mentioned him and Morse because Morse also has the ability to slide inside a guard. So if you sign both of them, you could theoretically find James Carpenter's replacement and a starting center to stabilize this offensive line. So I have him, I have him at three, but at number four, man, I'm going Golden State. I think for me, there's a lot of people that are going to scoff at the A's. There's a lot of people that are going to say, well, he wasn't really very productive with Philly after the midseason trade. Those things happen, right? Because especially if you trade for a guy midseason, he has to get used to your offense and you're talking about a team in Philly that without Sean Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, uh, and, uh, and, and Zach Ertz, now you don't have – again, there's not that many targets to go around. But what the Jets need, especially if you're going to use Adam Gates' offense, you know, essentially verbatim from Miami, you need somebody that's going to operate in the slot and somebody that's going to be able to get first down. The Golden State does that at an alarming clip. And he's a good run blocker. He's won a Super Bowl. He's a good locker room guy punching Percy Harvin in the eye aside. <laughs> but I think you, the Jets need to get another weapon in here for Sam Darnold. That isn't Le'Veon Bell in the sense of, like, Le'Veon Bell's going to contribute – in the passing game as well, and you have Chris Herndon, but you need another wide receiver. I just do not believe that Quincy Nua, with his injury concerns, and Robbie Anderson, who's continued to develop, but again, you want to see more from him. I don't believe that who they have in-house is a good enough wide receiving core for Sam Darnold. So Golden State would be number four for me. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. My next two guys are going to be Trey Flowers from the New England Patriots, who I think is the most realistic game-changing pass rusher the Jets have an opportunity to sign. The only guy who I think will hit the market that will really merit that big money deal. And what I love about Trey Flowers is how, is how versatile he is. And I don't know if the Jets are playing a 4-3, a 3-4, a hybrid of both, predominantly a nickel defense. I don't even know if Greg Williams and Adam Gase have agreed on what defense they're playing. But I do know regardless of what they're doing, Trey Flowers could line up all over the formation and make a difference. He makes a division rival, if you could call it that, weaker uh, and would be a much-needed addition of a guy in his prime who has found a way to produce despite not always being surrounded by quote-unquote elite talent, unlike a Dante Fowler who is off the field issues, who is playing behind the best interior defensive lineman in the NFL and still will go quiet for stretches of games at a time. Flowers is the guy that I invest my money in. After him, um, I think there is a bit of a drop-off. In my mind, the holy trinity of free agents the Jets should be pursuing are Bell, Paradis, and Flowers. And if they were a well-run organization, I would expect them to get two of the three. I'll say you got to get at least one of the three. And if you go 0 for 3 there, uh, that is a really rough start to free agency. I do disagree with you uh, on Golden Tate. And I love Golden Tate. I wanted them to sign him actually the year they signed Eric Decker. I just love his ability right. after the catch. <laughs> Um, and Decker ended up working out fine, you know, obviously as well. I think actually you called Decker that year more so than anybody. You're right ahead yep. of the curve on that one. Yep. Um, for me, the next guy I would look at, and he is a little older, similar to Tate, but I look at Roger Saffold at guard if he hits the, lo- if okay. he hits the market. I do think that 
There's no reason to think that if you structure his contract the right way, he can't contribute uh, for two years that line up well with Sam Darnold's rookie contract and immediately be a major upgrade over James Carpenter. So if he does hit the market, I could see the Jets giving him that little later career Alan Fanica big money contract where you get two, two and a half strong years out of him and then hopefully you draft an in-house replacement after that. I do think if the Jets are looking receiver, which they do need to do, if you really look at the depth chart, mm-hmm. it's Robbie and Quincy and then... Nothing. That's uh, it. <laughs> and you got Robbie and Quincy, and I love both those guys, and I probably overrate them because I'm a Jets fan, but they can't stay healthy, and you need depth behind them. So right. you need to make additions at, at receiver. And for me, the guy I'm looking at, not a flashy name, not as well-known, Adam Humphreys from the Bucks. A lot of production over mm-hmm. the past few years, almost six feet tall, has good size for a slot receiver, um, is only 25 years old. Uh, he's going to cost you know 8 to $9 million a year, but I think he's a guy who fits in better next to Anderson and Nua than Terrell Williams. I think, frankly, he's been better mm-hmm. and more durable than Terrell Williams. And I think you're you, with Humphreys, you're getting short in the long term. I think he can be as productive as Golden Tate was in the short term and then give you more years going forward. So he's in that next tier of uh, free agent receiver. I'd like to see them go after. After you, after you get through the other two guys you just mentioned, who's number five and six, Dalvin? So, I mean, you you nailed it with Saffold, but I'm actually going to go with the guy that they just said the Dolphins were going to release, and that's Josh Sitton, who I think, granted, injury aside, he missed, he got injured early on in 2018 with a pectoral injury, but you're talking about a guy who was allowing one pressure every 45 snaps in 2016 and 2017 and was ranked the best pass-blocking guard in the in, in the league. So I give him a little bit more value than Saffold just, be, just because where well, you mentioned Saffold, the, the age, that worries me a little bit, and I think Sitton could come in a little bit cheaper and he has familiarity with Gase's offense. Then after him, again, back to the defense, I think a guy like Anthony Barr, when the when the Kirk Cousins to Vikings deal was announced, everybody kind of started looking to see, okay, who aren't they going to be able to pay, right? Because, again, you, you're paying Cousins all this money. You then signed Sheldon Richardson. The offensive line is kind of a mess, so you need to prioritize that. And it seems like Anthony Barr is the guy that's going to shake free. And listen, everybody likes to point out that Darren Lee took this next step last year. I don't necessarily believe that. I don't think that that happened. I think that he had a couple couple of good games followed by a couple of games that were similar to what he had before where he just overshot plays and wasn't and wasn't in the right position and if it wasn't for Avery Williamson and the good year that he had this linebacking core would really be a mess because Jordan Jenkins again led the team in sacks but it was the quietest seven sacks I've ever ever seen and this is after years of us seeing Calvin Pace do what he does so I I think Anthony Barr fits what Greg Williams would want he kind of fits that Jamie Collins mold where he had Jamie Collins last year for the Browns Anthony Barr is a guy that I think is going to get paid and if the Jets are smart they try to snatch him up because he's still young uh, exceeds off the ball great in coverage can rush the passer he's a guy that I would like to think the Jets would be in on to either you know play next to Williamson and then move Lee off off you know off the edge or start moving Lee to another team you know whatever it is that they want to do but Anthony Barr is the guy that I rank right after Josh Sitton on my list of free agents Really, really like Barr and think he's the kind of guy, particularly if, when they're going to be doing more 4-3 looks, which they probably will in some way or another, would be a really good fit. And it's probably the best overall traditional linebacker who's going to be on the market and seems like a logical person for the Jets to pursue with Sitton. 
I think he's more of a second-tier offensive line option. Obviously, there's going to be some familiarity there with Gase. He signed him for a reason last year when he was in charge of the personnel. I'm curious to see, after that first wave of offensive linemen go, uh, if he's one of the guys that the Jets target. But in terms of bar, he feels like a day-one, day-two guy that the Jets could absolutely pursue. Two other guys are the next two I want to focus on. This is a pretty weak cornerback market. Uh, it's hard to find corners. It's hard to fix that position, as we've seen from the Jets in the past few years. They probably need to invest some serious draft capital in it to really fix it. And I'm not talking about drafting Jeremy Clark in the sixth round or Justin Burris in the fourth round. I'm talking about maybe trading back and taking Greedy Williams in the first round. But when I look at some reasonable swings to take in free agency, I like taking a risk on a guy like Ronald Darby, a guy who has struggled to stay healthy, but when he is healthy, has flashed the ability to be a lead cornerback, which is almost kind of what the Jets need with how bad Jermaine Johnson was last year. He's a guy I would look really closely at. Maybe a safer, lower ceiling option is Steven Nelson from the Kansas City Chiefs, a guy who was a little up and down, but overall had a strong season last year uh, and was has been durable since he came back from an injury a couple years ago. One other guy to look at on the offensive side of the football, Donovan Smith, one of the better tackles who was likely to hit the market, along with Darrell Williams, a guy who was banged up last year, but was previously an all-pro. And when you look at Williams and and Smith, these guys are are younger than Brandon Shell, who's already 27 years old. And Brandon Shell's coming off a serious injury. So you have the money. Get depth to tackle. Maybe Shell is ready on time. Great. Then you have depth to tackle, and you're not starting Brent Quali or Ben Angelana for multiple games again. <laughs> Sam Darnold killed. Go out there. Go bid for Trent Brown. Go bid for Daryl uh, Williams. Go build for Don- go uh, bid for Donovan Smith. They should be in the market at all the offensive line positions. Rounding out your top ten, who are a few other free agents that you think the Jets should look at on the offensive and defensive side of the football? Yeah, and I mean, just to piggyback off your point about the offensive lineman, again, the, the Oakland Raiders in their one successful year with Derek Carr, where he was almost a MVP candidate, what they did was they just signed the five best offensive linemen and played them. It didn't matter if they had played guard, center, or tackle. And so I think the Jets, you, I think you're right. I think they would be wise to invest in so many. And this is a very rare free agency class in the sense that the, while the skill position players may be lacking, there is a lot in the trenches, man, in terms of offensive and defensive line. And this is the year for the Jets to invest in that. For me, I'm going to go, again, the next ending search for edge rusher looking at a guy like preston smith who again isn't viewed as one of the more dynamic pass rushers but you're talking about a guy who gets to the quarterback stops the run and the jets need to stop with this you know wing and a prayer approach to edge rushing one of the really good things that greg williams did for the browns last year was he unleashed miles garrett and emmanuel ogba and just said listen your one job is to go get to the quarterback that was it and the jets need guys that can go get to the quarterback and while i would love good josh allen to be the pick at number three if you can't just say, oh, we'll wait to the draft to address it, because that hasn't worked for you in the past. And McCagney could be talked into taking a, a D tackle, you know, with the third pick overall. So I think you have to solve the edge rusher issue. And and, and Preston Smith does go, goes a long way towards doing that. And then you mentioned corners. I'm going to go in an opposite direction with corners, though I love Ronald Darby. He was one of my favorites leading up to the leading up to his draft class. I'm going to go with Bradley Roby, who didn't handle an increased workload as well as you would have liked, you know, when Talib got moved to when Talib got moved to the Rams. But this is a kid who, again, excels in man coverage and play zone, is young. And that's kind of what you want to see from McCagney this offseason is, does he take a swing on the younger talent? Does he take a swing on, on free agents that 
again, we, we talked about Saffold and Sitton, but aside from that, does he take a swing on guys that are 25, 26 years old who are going to be able to grow with Sam Darnold so you can maximize Sam Darnold's rookie contract? And that's where a guy like, that's, that's where I think guys like, you mentioned, you mentioned Humphreys and guys like Bradley Roby and Ronald Darby, those are guys that'll be able to grow with him. But I really like Bradley Roby and John Owe makes a lot of mistakes as a, as, as a GM, but I think letting go of a young cornerback like Bradley Roby is definitely a big one. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Yeah, intriguing names. I like Roby and I like Darquise Denard as replacements for Morris Claiborne yeah. instead of giving him the, the one-year contract for the third year in a row. I think both those guys are younger and have a higher ceiling. Uh, and rather than bring Claiborne back, if you're not going to land a Darby or a Nelson, I'd look at Roby or I'd look at Denard as potential options. Uh, in terms of some other... You know, I guess maybe day two, day three, day four, uh, free agent options for the Jets to consider. Like that you mentioned Preston Smith. I also like Quan Alexander uh, as another guy they could add in the mix, or Jordan Hicks if he does ultimately hit the market uh, from the Eagles. Just adding more depth and versatility to that group of linebackers. I've been a big proponent of looking at Demetrius Harris or Jesse James to add a number two tight end. Mm -hmm. I think it's a weak free agent class at receiver, and it's going to be hard to build a talented, deep group of receivers. So you need to have two tight ends who could be difference makers in the passing game. And Chris Herndon's looking at a suspension and has had an injury history. Mm-hmm. So you need some depth there. You can't be one play away from short, trotting out Jordan Leggett or Eric Tomlinson to play major reps. Go get an athletic freak like Harris or go get a guy like James who is competent in the short to intermediate passing game. Why not? This is what the cap space is for. The job of a GM is to add good players and win football games. It is not to celebrate adding a bunch of bad players who you have to cut 10 months later because you maintain contract flexibility. That's the goal here. The Jets need to build a roster. It seems like right now they have two players under contract, Jamal Adams and Sam Donald. Everything else is basically on the table. So don't be shy about adding uh, at some of these other positions. Um, A couple other names maybe that could get kicked around. Uh, I do think, again, Tevin Coleman could be a Le'Veon Bell Mm -hmm. fallback plan. Uh, I think Jameson Crowder is an interesting guy to look at at the receiver position if they don't look at Humphreys. Uh, Quentin Spain is a depth guy at guard. I'm not really sure he's an upgrade in any way over Carpenter or Winters, but as a depth player, uh, not a crazy thought. Mike Davis has a deep sort of fallback option at running back from Seattle. Uh, is another interesting name. Uh, at corner, Rashawn Melvin, a guy we talked about last year, did not have a great year in Oakland, but a couple of years ago was really effective for the Colts and could be a good depth guy at cornerback. Um, Anybody else? Any less flashy names? I'm trying to think who else is out there. You know, got John Simon. He's yeah. an okay pass rusher. I mean, who else? Uh, Malcolm Brown, if you wanted to improve the depth at D-tackle, if McClendon was going to be gone, is a name that you could watch. Jason Verrett, who, again, is coming off injuries the last the the last three years, two knee surgeries and an Achilles repair, but again, when healthy, he's one of the better corners in the league, and if you wanted to take a swing at a guy hoping that you cash in on him getting healthy, he's the guy that I would watch, who again has a higher ceiling than Morris Claiborne, so it's just something, you know, obviously something to watch. Pierre Desir from the Colts, who had a really good playoff game against Houston, is again a guy, a guy if you wanted to upgrade the corner position, opposite of Tremaine Johnson, or even, even from Tremaine Johnson, considering how bad he was, that's a guy that you could absolutely watch out for. I mean, Shaq Barrett from Denver, who's been buried behind Von Miller, is a Another guy that you can watch that, again, has shown that he can get to the quarterback because the Jets need people like that that can do it. And Shaq Barrett has shown that he can do that in limited snaps. And then, I mean, the one guy that I that I firmly believe the Jets will sign, that is one of – he's a, he's a second-tier free agent, but I think – I really do think that the Jets are going to get him and he's going to produce – 
to his draft status, and that's Dante Fowler Jr. I think that you saw a guy in December and January with the Rams, and again, seeing everything that happened with Jacksonville and how dysfunctional they were from what happened in London to how the wheels kind of fell off that team, I think seeing him get away from that, go to go to the Rams and ball out the way he did, he had a really good playoff run. And I think the Jets are getting him as he's starting to figure it out. Sometimes it takes a couple of years for pass rushers to figure it out. And he's a guy that, honest to God, it would not surprise me if the Jets signed him on day one. They wanted a trade for him. They know that they need a, names, a, a name, and he is a name. And he's a guy that's coming off a really good playoff run, so I could see the Jets signing him. But he's more of a, that, realistically, he's a second-tier guy, but he's probably about to get paid like a first-tier guy. Yeah, I'm not – look, I think obviously money matters and contract structure matters. Fowler's the kind of guy, like, I feel so much better giving, like, a glorified one-year prove-it deal rather than, you know, a four-year $84 million or something. That wouldn't be that much, but four-year $50 million contract. I just – I worry. I worry about some of the recent tweets that he's been putting out explaining his behavior. I worry yeah. about some yeah. of the gaps in production, but look – if they don't get Trey Flowers, which is a very real possibility, and D Ford right. doesn't go anywhere, Demarcus Lawrence doesn't go anywhere, um, Frank right. Clark doesn't go Jadavion anywhere, Clowney. Jadavion Clowney, like it gets dry very fast. So I think the Jets are absolutely going to be in the mix to sign him. I predicted the Jets would sign him when I did my predictions. Yeah. Um, so yep. we're going to see how that shakes out. All the right. other guy, the oh, other guy to watch out for, Joe from Kansas City, and that's if they keep D Ford is Justin Houston, who again, an older edge rusher, but you need something. You need, you need something off the edge. And Justin Houston had nine and a half sacks last year, even though he's you know he's on the older side. So that could be a name to watch as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh Brandon Graham's another name we didn't mention. I could see the Jets sniffing around yep. him as well and um, obviously, we'll keep an eye on some guys in Cleveland and Miami if they end up getting released. All right, who is – give me an outside-the-box trade or player you think the Jets will acquire this offseason. Who? Um, an outside-the-box. So now keep in mind, I am batting a 1,000 on some of these predictions. Like I predicted Eric Decker, like I nailed that, um, and I'm still holding on to that. If I had to wager today an outside-the-box player that the Jets would trade for. I'm going to say drum roll. Odell Beckham Jr. Wow. And here's why. And here's and and here's and here's why. I think I think Dave Gettleman is a psychopath. I like even today hearing his press conference kind of threw me a little bit. Like I just couldn't believe what was going on because like one, you're doubling down on Eli Manning. You're justifying your pick of a running back in the top two. I think that this is the off season that they move him because there's been so much chatter. And I think that the giants real in their mind, Eli Manning is the drink is the, the straw that stirs that drink. I can see them moving on from Odell Beckham. And I don't think Gettleman has the, the whole, oh, I'm not going to trade with the Jets. I don't think he has that at all. I think he was really just hell-bent on taking Saquon Barkley last year. I think Odell Beckham gets moved, and I think the Jets have a really good shot. I mean, I love it. I'm a big Odell fan. I wanted to take Odell <laughs> the Calvin Pryor year. I, I like to rag yeah. on the Giants because it's Twitter, and people got to loosen up a little bit, but Odell's awesome. Right. And if the Jets could find a way to get their hands on him, uh, it would be great for Sam Darnold. It would be great for our football games actually being entertaining again. I'm all here for it. Um I don't think the Jets are going to ultimately be in sort of that. Some of the big names that fans have kicked around. Let's trade for Mike Evans. I don't know why Bruce Arians trading Mike Evans. Uh, let's trade for Antonio right, Brown. Right. I'm for trading Antonio Brown. Do you get him for a mid-round pick? I don't think it's going to happen. I feel like he's going to end up with the Niners. Uh, A.J. Green, 
if the Bengals are shopping him, I think it's worth exploring. I wouldn't say it's ultimately going to happen. I feel like the names that the Jets look to trade for are probably not going to be as wildly exciting. I'm looking at a guy like Albert Wilson, who Gase signed okay. last year, who was really good for the Dolphins before getting hurt, and maybe the new regime is like not sold on him as a player. Maybe you go get him, uh, has someone to round out your group of receivers. Uh, looking at Cleveland, uh, I'm not sure if there's anyone from Greg's defense that the Browns are going to be anxious to move, but I think that's also a spot uh, to keep an eye on. I think you also want to look at teams that the Jets have traded with previously or had notable high-profile trades with, so Chicago... Uh, the Colts, obviously, there's relationships with those front office. I think those could potentially be teams uh, to look at at maybe places that they target because the Jets got to get creative when it comes to adding offensive talent. They always there's always one like first tier signing that nobody talks about because we did all this this time last year. Nobody was talking about Avery Williamson uh, and he ended up on the team. Even when they signed Decker, I know you had mentioned it, but it was not something that was really commonly talked about. Uh, I'm trying to think back to a couple other uh, free agency periods uh, when they signed some like Morris Claiborne was not someone who was commonly rumored to the team when they initially signed him for the first time, even with Isaiah Crowell and some of the other people. So it's going to be interesting to see who that somewhat random person ends up being. Uh, you know, we, we heard some rumblings. They're interested in Dante Moncrief, like do better <laughs> for God's sakes. Like you don't have $6 million in cap space, like do better. Right. Um, Right. So we're going to we're going to obviously see uh how that plays out, but it's going to be a fun few weeks. So uh Dio, I always appreciate you enjo- uh joining us on the pod. Uh give the people a heads up on anything that you've recently published or will have on the way. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and again, like I said, I was getting very jealous seeing all the replacements. But again, you can't do better than the original guys. That's usually that's usually what happens. Um, and that's really what OG stands for, original guys, not original gangsters, FYI. Um, but no, uh, I just published a pick six connecting certain, uh, guys that are going to be free uh, that, that the Jets have hired, you know, uh, guys that they've played for, for the coaching staff. Um, so make sure to look at that. It made Joe sad, but only because I think Derek Morgan was on it and he was the only pass rusher that I could find with a connection to this current regime. Um, but yeah, so draft season returns, uh, with myself and a, a slew of guys that you know will never replace Joe in my heart. Um, so that that returns next week. Um, what's your point returns next week also? So that'll be fun. Um, yeah, it's just you know, and oh, uh, my big board will be coming. Uh, top top 100 post combine edition will be coming on Saturday. So I'm really looking forward to publishing that. That always drums up a lot of conversation because everybody thinks that they see the next you know, Tom Brady and a quarterback that you didn't rank in your top 100. So that's always good. Um, but again, stick with us at TOJ. We've been crushing it. Um, it's been great. We always crush it. And yeah, I'm looking forward to doing more stuff over the next few months. All right, Dalvin, thank you for joining us. Everybody, as I said, make sure to subscribe. This is running on Thursday. We're recording it on Wednesday. We're going to have a special, very special surprise podcast Friday, and then I'm going to do a mailbag Saturday. So I'm pulling a Scott Mason and doing three straight days of podcast on the TOJ feed. So get excited, get ready to listen, get ready to send your complaints over on Twitter. Always happy to read them. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. We'll be back Friday with a new episode.